wants not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have and enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseyao Afwakwa. Pastor Afwakwa is the founder and general overseer of Embassy of Life Chapel, a thriving ministry headquartered in Kumasi with a network of churches in Kumasi and Accra, Ghana. God has commissioned him to train believers through the teaching of the good news of the kingdom to know God better, live life better, and impact the world better. Get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. God bless you as you listen. Come with me to the book of Acts chapter 6, verse 1 and 7. Acts chapter 6, verse 1 and 7. Now, in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number. Somebody say, increasing in number. Say, increasing in number. Alright, the disciples were increasing in number. A complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because of their widows were being neglected in the daily distributions. Let's look at verse 7. And the word of God continued to increase and the number of the disciples did what? The number of the disciples did what? Multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Look at the number of times the word number. The number of the disciples were increasing. Turn to your neighbor and say, God expects increase. Okay, and then God also ensures multiplication. The number of the disciples were increasing. And then the number of the disciples were multiplying. So we started a series last two weeks about creating an atmosphere for numerical growth. Somebody say creating an atmosphere for numerical growth. All right. If you want to grow anything, you need to know that you have to be intentional. Somebody say be intentional. It takes intentionality to grow anything. Your marriage will not grow in a healthy way without intentionality. Your finances will not grow without intentionality. You need to be intentional. If you are going to grow spiritually, you need to be intentional. And we are saying that there is a certain atmosphere that engenders growth. If you have money and you constantly have the habit of spending anything that comes into your hands without investing them either for eternity or for your future on earth, there is no way you can, you can dream all you want at becoming wealthy, but you will never be rich. There's an atmosphere. An atmosphere of waste will not bring prosperity. An atmosphere of laziness will not bring prosperity. There are things we do that sometimes affect us more, much more, than even what Satan and his agents do against us. And so we need to know the atmosphere that needs to be created. There's a certain atmosphere that must be created. If a church must grow, there is an atmosphere that must be created. And we want to create that atmosphere so we can experience growth like God wants us to have it. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 to 38. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are, the laborers are, the laborers are, verse 38, therefore, do what? 
pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his do what? Pray the Lord of the harvest. Pray the Lord of the that he will what? Send out laborers into pray the Lord of the harvest. Last two weeks we spoke about the Lord of the harvest. Somebody say the Lord of the harvest. Now, who is the Lord of the harvest? Say the Holy Spirit is the Lord of the harvest. All right? There is a ripe harvest of souls. And the Holy Spirit is the Lord of the harvest. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8, the Bible says, You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. When the Holy Ghost comes, he empowers you to be an effective witness. None of us can effectively reach out to the lost soul and be impactful in that exercise without active partnership with the Lord of the harvest. Jesus ministered to many people while he was on earth. But before he hesitated, he promised that the Holy Ghost was going to come. And when he comes, there will be major changes. And when he did come, there was major changes. Praise God. The Bible says on the day he came, there were 120. But the Lord of the harvest, on that very day, he needed to announce that he's the Lord of the harvest. He captured in 3,000 souls in one day. As we reach out, I see the Holy Ghost capture in great harvest. In the mighty name of Jesus. That same day, 3,000 souls. The second attempt, 5,000 souls. Within a short period of time, he moved the church from 120 to 8,120. Praise God. 8,120 within a short time. That can only be accomplished by the Holy Spirit. From 3,120 to 8,120. And then by the time we could say Jack, they were countless. The Bible said multitudes of those who believed. We are saying that the Holy Spirit is a Lord of harvest. And he's not just a harvester of souls. He's a harvester of great things. When the Holy Spirit is allowed full control of your life, he will bring amazing harvest into your life. That's why we are emphasizing that he is the Lord of the harvest. What the Holy Ghost does is not something any human being can do. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. Without the Holy Ghost, we can do nothing. There's nobody who can produce anything worthwhile without the Holy Ghost. There's no church that can do great and amazing things without the Holy Ghost. So we looked at four truths about the Holy Ghost as the Lord of the harvest. We said as the Lord of the harvest, the Holy Spirit owns the sheep. Somebody say he owns the sheep. The Bible says all souls are mine. And then we said as the Lord of the harvest, the Holy Spirit recruits and releases laborers to the harvest. Somebody say he recruits and releases laborers into the harvest. And then we said, as the Lord of the harvest, the Holy Spirit works with his recruited laborers to bring hope the harvest. The Holy Spirit works with them. In the book of Mark chapter 16 verse 15 and 20, he said, he told them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creation. Now, when you read verse 20, the Bible said, and they went everywhere. The Lord also working with them and confirming the word with accompanying signs. When we go, the Holy Ghost goes with us. I see him go with us. In this eight weeks, he's actively going with us. In the mighty name of Jesus. And we said, as the Lord of the harvest, he pays much less wages 
to all his laborers. Somebody say, much less wages. Say, much less wages. All right, much less wages. Today, we want to continue and look at how the Holy Spirit works to reap the harvest of souls. If he's the Lord of the harvest, how does he work to bring in the harvest of souls? How does the Holy Spirit work to bring in the harvest of souls? That's what we want to look at this morning. How does the Holy Spirit work to bring in the harvest of souls? Now, appreciate that the Holy Spirit works in two main ways. Somebody say two main ways. The Holy Spirit works in two main ways to bring the harvest of souls. One is his work in the believer. And then the other is his work in the sinner. The Holy Spirit works in the believer. Who is going to do the soul winning? Who is going to preach the gospel? Who is going to be a channel for the salvation of the lost? Please appreciate that no man can be saved without a human being helping them to be saved. Turn to your neighbor and say, nobody can be saved. Without a human being. Being used for the process. Yeah. No human being can be saved. All of us could not be saved until Jesus became man. That's why Jesus became man. It was for the salvation of humanity that Jesus came. And he had to be man. The Bible says of him in the book of Philippians chapter 2 verse 5. Let this mind be in you. Which was also in Christ Jesus. Who being in the form of God taught in no robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a man. And being found in a fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death on the cross. Now listen, if Jesus had not died on the cross, there is no way any of us would have been saved. And for him to die, he had to come as a mortal man. God could not be killed. So Jesus had to take on mortality so that he could redeem mortal men into immortality. That's what Jesus came. And so God could not save us without a man. He had to become himself, become a man so he could save us. Now he has given us that assignment as men to be able to reach out. There is nowhere angels preach the gospel. Angels don't preach the gospel. Angels can facilitate the preaching of the gospel, but they themselves don't have the mandate to preach the gospel. That's why an angel appeared to Cornelius and then told him, go for Peter. When Peter comes, I mean, if you could go for Peter, why don't you angel tell him what he needs to hear? Angels don't have that assignment. Now, listen, that's why the privilege of preaching the gospel must be seen as a privilege. The greatest privilege you can have in your life is not to sit and dine with the Queen of England. It's not to be ushered into the White House. The greatest privilege you can have in your life is to be a gospeler. That's the greatest privilege. Angels wish they could do that. They were not given the assignment. But we have been privileged to be made the ministers of reconciliation. That's who we are. That's who we are. So, the Holy Spirit works with us. Somebody say he works with us. The Holy Spirit works with us. He works in the soul winner to bring people into salvation. And then he works in the sinner to bring salvation. How does the Holy Spirit work in the believer? His work in the believer is our focus in this first session. How does the Holy Spirit work in the believer to bring about salvation? Number one, he fills your heart as a believer with love for God and for lost souls. The Holy Spirit fills the believer. With love for God and for lost souls. Somebody say, the Spirit of God fills me with love for God and for lost souls. 
The Holy Spirit fills the believer with love for God and for lost souls. Romans chapter 5, verse 5. He said, Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God. Somebody say the love of God. The love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. Why was the Holy Spirit given to you? So he can scatter and saturate your being with the love of God. The Holy Spirit was given you. That's why you cannot love like God expects you to love without the enabling power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit saturates our life with the love of God. Somebody say the love of God. Say the love of God is at work in me. The Holy Spirit pours out the love of God. Now, I have never met a man who genuinely loves God, who does not love souls. To be a Christian and claim you love God, and for one year, no soul is standing to your credit, or all your lifetime, you have not intentionally invested in souls. I doubt the authenticity of your love for God. I doubt it. God means business. He so loved that he so gave. He so loved that he gave his only precious son. That whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He gave. His love motivated him to give his best for the salvation of humanity. One of the things a lot of people in church pretend to have is love for God. And one of the things the Bible makes it very clear that it cannot be fake is love for God. It cannot be fake. It cannot be fake. When you meet somebody who genuinely loves God, it's not difficult for you to tell. There are too many obvious signs and symptoms in scripture. There are certain diseases when you get it, it's not difficult for doctors to diagnose because the symptoms are obvious. But there are some diseases, the symptoms are too general. When you present fever, it could be all kinds of things. It could be typhoid. It could be malaria. But when you present certain serious signs, they know that this sign is very clear. This is chicken pulse manifesting. They can't doubt it. So there are things when you manifest, it's obvious that a man loves God. When you genuinely love God, you love what God loves. You can't claim you love God and not be passionate about what God loves. It's not possible. Any genuine lover of God loves souls as a lifestyle. They are soul winners as a lifestyle. That's it. That's it. For God so loved the world that he so gave. And the Bible says in the book of 2 Timothy 1.7, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. We can launch out operation to hunt for souls and you are just, you are just there, you don't care, you claim you love God. That's fake love. That's not authentic love. That's fake love. What moved Jesus to reach out to people was nothing but compassion. Somebody say compassion. You see, increasingly this generation of Christians have become selfish. And because we have become selfish, we are not able to see, number one, the power of God. And two, we are not able to see the provisions of God. We are not able to see the best of God come to us because we are so preoccupied with ourselves. But I pray that in this new phase, I pray that in this season, the spirit of God will transform you from inside out. In the mighty name of Jesus, that your life will not be about you first, but it will be about God first. When God becomes your priority, nothing else matters anymore. When God becomes your obsession, there is nothing in this world that you will never have the opportunity to possess. 
That's where it starts from. Compassion. Matthew 9, verse 36. When he saw the crowds, when he saw the crowds, when he saw the crowds, the Bible said he had compassion for them. When you meet people, do you have compassion for them? When you go to your office and some of your colleagues are uh, cracking all of those coarse jokes about what their weekend engagement was and all of that and they speak carelessly around you, do you feel compassion towards them? Oh, it's life as usual. Everything is normal. Oh, these guys, they are just having fun. You see things that can lead people to eternal domination as fun. It's because you've lost your compassion. When compassion is there, we are moved. Jesus saw them and he had compassion on them. Why? Because they were harassed, helpless, and like sheep without a shepherd. Helpless. Their future was not secure. They were going, they were heading to destruction and doom. Jesus was moved with compassion. Then he says, ah, pray ye the Lord of the harvest. The harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. He was moved with compassion. What moves you? There are things that move us to want to make money. What moves you towards the loss is love and compassion. Somebody say love and compassion. Yeah. The only thing that moved God to send Christ to come die was the love and compassion. There was nothing else to gain. Because man had nothing to offer God. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians that you were dead. A dead man has nothing to offer one who is alive. We were dead in trespasses and sin. But the love of God came and brought a life to those who were dead. He resurrected them from the grave and raised them up and set them far above principalities and powers. And he's given us the objective. He's given us the mandate to do the same. When the Holy Ghost lives on you, listen, it's impossible to claim the Holy Spirit is alive and well in you when you are not burning with passion for lost souls. You meet people and the last thing on your mind to share with them is Christ. You finish, you transact business with them, you collect money, you change profit and then you go and you forget about their soul. That which lives forever never strikes your mind. It fills us with compassion. Jude chapter 1, verse 22 and 23. He said, and of some have compassion. Somebody say, some have compassion. Some have compassion making a difference. And of some, he says, are the same with fear. Pulling them out of the fire. Pulling them out of the fire. I like the CE version. He says, rescue anyone who needs to be saved. As you would rescue someone from fire. Somebody say, from fire say from fire. Now imagine that maybe where you live, there's a room there and there's a child there that is sleeping. The door is not locked. And then fire has gutted one of the other rooms and is coming and it has not gotten to where the child is. And you know there's a child lying in there. The child is alive and well. And you can reach out to the child and save the child and there won't be harm even to you. And you neglect not to do so. How much wickedness can be attributed to you? Do we know there's fire awaiting people in eternity? Do we know? Do we even believe that God will cast people into eternal lake of fire? That should motivate us to go all out and make sure that people are rescued. Somebody say people are rescued. Number two, the Holy Spirit embodies the believer to preach the gospel. He embodies the believer. He embodies the believer. I know many people have courage and boldness for many things. There are some people, if you offend them, they have the courage to insult you no matter your stature in life. No matter your stature. 
whether if you are their husband, once you offend them, they can insult you and say whatever they want to say. They can do whatever they want to do with your life. If you are their boss, they won't mind insulting you and resigning the job. They have courage for all kinds of things. But when it comes to soul winning, they say they feel shy. I'm sorry for you. I'm sorry for you. The fish are. How can you be shy about Christ? You are not shy when you are marketing your products. You are not shy when you are introducing your wife to someone. But when you are introducing Christ, the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, the universal Savior of humanity, you are bringing him to others. You say you feel shy. Listen, shyness will go away when you come to understand that there is a powerhouse in you that embodies you to override shyness. The Bible says God has not given us the spirit of fear. The New International Version says the spirit that God gives us does not make us timid. He has not given us the spirit of fear and timidity, but of power. Somebody say of power. power. Listen, when you understand the personality of the Holy Spirit in you, timidity will leave you. There is no human being on the planet. If I have to engage, I cannot engage. Timidity. The spirit of God embodies you. Now imagine Peter, fisherman, engaging scholars. It's not natural. It's not natural. That's why when we talk about soul winning, we are dealing with the Holy Spirit work. With the Holy Spirit. It's not about, I mean, there are people who should be very confident who are not at all. They've gone to school, they have degrees upon degrees, and yet they cannot express themselves when they need to express themselves. But when the Holy Ghost takes over your life, shyness leaves you. I see shyness leaving you. The Holy Spirit imparts boldness. In the book of Acts, chapter 4, verse 29 to 31, the Bible says, And now, Lord, look upon their threat and grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. Somebody say, all boldness. Say, all boldness. While you stretch your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus Christ. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaking and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with what? Continue to speak the word of God with what? What do you need to speak the word? Boldness. You need the boldness. It may be your boss, but when boldness is given you, you can confront them. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I am bold about the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. The early church saw the need to pray for boldness. He prayed for boldness to reach out. Paul said, also praying with all prayer, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, all the way to 20. He said, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. And watching there unto with the same with thanksgiving. And verse 19, he said, and also pray for me. That utterance may be given me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known. Receive grace to speak the word boldly. Boldly. The Holy Ghost makes you bold about the gospel. Bold about the gospel. Can't you see how unbelievers can be bold about some things? Bold about their clubs. Bold about immorality. Bold about smoking. Bold about all kinds of things. The Holy Spirit also gives us the boldness to do the things we must do. That's how the Holy Spirit works in the believer. So, when you know what the Holy Spirit does, when you are praying, you know what to pray for. Number three, he leads and guides you to souls ready for the gospel. 
The Holy Spirit leads. Somebody say he leads. He leads. Say he leads. he leads. The Bible said, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. How are you led? The Spirit of God leads you. In John chapter 16 verse 13, when the Spirit of truth it comes, he will guide you into all truth. So the Holy Spirit is a guide. Somebody say he's a guide. The Holy Spirit guides. He guides us. He guides us. He guides us. Yesterday when I stepped out in the morning, I came here, prayed with them, and then I stepped out. When I stepped out, I did not know exactly where I was going, but I knew that I had people to meet. And by the time I realized, I'd been led to a football park where a lot of gentlemen had gathered and they were playing the ball. God led me to the man who had the authority over all of those people who were on the field. Met him, sitting by the side, I engaged him. By the time I realized, when they finished the match, he gathered all of them and I shared the gospel with them. Praise God. Listen, the Holy Spirit is a guide. He will guide you. If you are willing to do it, he will guide you. You see, it's not everybody you speak to. There are people that you don't have to waste your time on. And the Spirit of God leads you away from such people. Because the time is short. The harvest is plenteous. The laborers are few. If you have great harvest and you meet, let's say, a maize tree that has not yielded much, you don't waste time on it. But when you look at the one that is fully ripe, that's the one you go for. Why will you struggle to pull down a mango that is not ripe? The Holy Spirit knows them. Look at this. In the book of Acts, how he guided Philip into the Ethiopian Enoch. Acts chapter 8, verse 29 to 40. And the Spirit said to Philip, Go over and join the chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you are? Do you understand what you are? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited him to come up and sit with him. Look at that. Willing hearted. He met Philip. He said, Philip, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. He just engaged him. Do you understand what you are reading? He said, How can I? He said, Do you understand? He said, Come on. He invited him on. You are reaching out. You have limited time. One and a half hours to reach out in the morning. One and a half hours to reach out. Then you are spending 30 minutes on one person. And he's arguing with you about who was the wife of Cain. Don't waste your time, brother. So, which woman did Abel marry? That's, that's not it. He's, his heart is not willing. He's looking for a debater. There are things you have no explanation. I don't know who Abel married. So, don't pretend you know. And don't waste your time about somebody who wants to know that. Praise the Lord. Yeah, you don't have time. Jesus always went to people who were willing. That's why he could bypass and go to Zacchaeus' house. There were many people there. When he saw Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus had climbed a tree. He was more than willing to see Jesus. More than willing. Reach out to those who are willing. We have limited time. You step out. Pa, 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 pa. You move. Am I communicating here? That's how you present the gospel. You don't waste your time with people. He said, come and invite me. Now the Bible said the passage of the scripture that he was reading was like this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a dam before it's silent, so he opens not his mouth. And his humiliation, he read all of that. Then the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this, about himself or about someone? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with the scripture, he told them the good news about Jesus Christ. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water. And Philip and the eunuch and were baptized. And they came out of the water and the spirit carried him. Did you see that? 
The Spirit carried him. The Spirit said, join yourself to this chariot. The Holy Spirit told, this is the person you must speak with. You see, that's why usually people who win souls are spiritual people. People who win souls are spiritual people. In church, those who are not concerned about souls, usually they are very carnal people. Very carnal. Very, very carnal. Somebody can be in church and for about three years, two years, no person has followed him to church. In the most probability, he's a carnal believer. His life is not a witness and he doesn't have the spiritual tenacity to be able to communicate the gospel to anybody. That's not a Christian. That's not a Christian. A Christian is the one that others look at and they say, we want to be like you. That's a Christian. That's a Christian. In your job, they want to be like you. They want to follow you and know where you are so they can be there and be transformed. That's a Christian. If you serve, you work in a place. When I worked in ICS, Adam Kama is here. He came as a member. He's in this church. I worked in ICS. I worked in ICS only for two years. Adam Kama, he's an elder in the church today. Adam Kama. You go to Petit Church. There are people in Petit Church. There are those who joined the church because I was nice years and today they've traveled outside the country. You're working in an office, in a place, in a hospital. Not a single person has followed you to church. And you say you are a Christian, you are serious about the gospel. Come again. Come again. There's something about your life that should be infectious that people would want to follow you to Christ. There should be. There should be. Look, the Holy Spirit guides and the Holy Spirit moves away. There are people the Holy Spirit can tell you, don't talk to them. Just pray for them. Just pray for them. You look at chapter 16, verse 7. I mean, when I read the scripture, I was a bit surprised. Somebody is going to preach the gospel. The Bible said, be instant in a season and out of season. Look at this. And they went through the region of Regia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. They were forbidden. Don't. Don't. Don't, don't. They were forbidden, resisted by the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 7. And when they had come to Messiah, they attempted to go into Bethany, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. That's why you need to be led. When you are led, you will always get results. He does not just lead you to people who are ready and willing for the gospel. He also gives you the right words. Somebody say the right words. Say the right words. There are words when people hear, they can't resist, but bow. The Holy Spirit gives right words, right words, right words. Look, Ephesians text verse 19. Pray also for us that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. Words. Somebody say words. Say words. Words may be given you. Not words to go and woo a woman. No, no, no. We are talking about a man who has words to win people to Christ. Words. When Peter spoke, his words were convicting. Words were given him. In Luke chapter 21 verse 15, for I will give you a mouth and a wisdom which all your adversaries shall not be able to gain, say, nor resist. I will give you mouth I will give you words that human beings, nobody, when you tell the person, the person doesn't, he comes under the influence of your words. Charged up with power. They come under the influence of your words and they are just following you, following you, following you, following you. Just like Peter, when the angel appeared, he said, follow me. And they followed Peter. When Peter came out of the prison, he thought he was dreaming, but he had followed him to the place of safety. Acts chapter 2 verse 4. And they were filled with the Holy Ghost. 
and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives them utterance. The Holy Spirit gives us utterance. And he will give you utterance. Anyone who will engage, embrace this eight weeks and you reach out, the Holy Ghost will give you the right words. I see multitudes follow you to serve God. Number five, he confirms the word preached with signs and wonders. He confirms the word. When you go preaching, anything you are confronted with, deal with it. Somebody say, deal with it. Anything you are confronted with. When you step out and you meet somebody who is sick, ask the person, can I pray with you? Lay your hands on the person and pray. When you take bold steps, you see signs and wonders. When you take what? Bold steps. You see signs. The Bible says here, and with great power, Acts chapter 4, verse 33, with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord, and great grace was upon them all. In the book of the Lord also working with them, give me uh, Mark chapter 16, verse 20. Mark 16, 20, the King James Version. They went everywhere. Somebody say they went everywhere. They went everywhere. The Lord also working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Confirming the word. Jesus does not only save, he also heals. Jesus does not only save, he also delivers. Jesus does not only save, he is the soul restorer. So when you meet someone with depression, whatever the disease is, exercise your faith. Listen, faith does not become strong through confession. Faith becomes strong through exercise. As you exercise your faith, the stronger your faith becomes. The stronger your faith becomes. And the Bible says, exercise yourself unto godliness. Exercise yourself unto godliness. So you have to engage in faith building exercise. Faith activating exercise. So you meet someone, the person gives his life to Christ, say, I have a headache. Lay your hands on the person right there and see the power of God reach out and bring healing. The Holy Spirit brings conviction and it does not just bring conviction. He also helps, confirms the word preached with signs following. Look at Romans 15, 18 to 19. Thank you, Spirit of God. Romans 15, 18. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed. Verse 19. He said, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all around to Erelicum, I have fully fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. By the power of the Spirit, with signs and wonders, by the Holy Ghost, I have preached the gospel. I have fully, listen, the gospel cannot be fully preached without signs and wonders. The gospel, if the gospel you hear is the gospel of Christ, power must follow. Power must what? Power must follow. If the gospel you preach is the gospel of Christ, power must follow. Power must follow. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God unto salvation, unto deliverance, unto healing. How else will you see power? You will never see power until you demonstrate power. Power is not outside of you. Power is the inside of you. All you need to do is to release it by faith. That's what happens. So, those are the five things the Holy Ghost does in the believer. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in where? The believer. He fills him with love for lost souls. Number two is what the Holy Spirit does in the sinner. 
What does the Holy Spirit do in the sinner? What does the Holy Spirit do in the sinner? What does the Holy Spirit do in the sinner? Number one is that he removes barriers and class of satanic hindrances to the sinner so he can hear the gospel and be saved. The Holy Spirit does what? He removes barriers. Say it. He removes? Say he removes barriers. The Holy Ghost does what? Removes barriers and clears of satanic what? Hindrances. So the sinner can hear the gospel and be? Hear the gospel and be? Now listen. Satan's principal objective is not to allow sinners to hear the gospel. He doesn't want them to hear the gospel. Because he knows that when they hear the gospel, they will be saved. So you prevent them from hearing the gospel. The Bible says in Isaiah 45, verse 2, I will go before you and make the crooked path straight. I will break in pieces the gates of brass and cut the bars of iron asunder. As we go, every gate of bars shall be cut asunder. In the mighty name of Jesus, within these eight weeks, the gate of bars shall be cut asunder. In the mighty name of Jesus. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 18. Therefore, we wanted to come to you. We wanted to come to you, even I, Paul. But Satan hindered. Satan hindered. Satan hindered. You have already planned this weekend. I will be there. Early in the morning, Satan brings up an emergency. See it as an act of Satan. Set it aside and be on the field. Am I communicating here? Set it aside and be on the field. Set it. That's what he specializes at. He will bring unnecessary emergencies. All of it, just to get your attention. Just to see what is of value to you. Satan hindered us. In the book of Acts chapter 13, Paul was preaching to a man who was willing to receive the gospel. Acts chapter 13, verse 4 to 12. So being sent by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia. And from there, they sailed to Cyprus. And when they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. And they had joined to assess them. Verse 6. When they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they came upon a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. He was a proconsul, Sergius Palos, a man of intelligence who summoned Barnabas and saw and sought to hear the word. Sought to hear the word of what? So these men went out preaching the gospel and they are willing. This is a man who has invited them. Paul and Barnabas, come. I've heard you are preachers. I hear you carry the good news. I want to hear it. Come and share the gospel. When these men went, then this man shows up and raises up all kinds. But Elimas, look at verse 18. But Elimas, the magician, for that is the meaning of his name, opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from where? Away from where? The faith. This is one scripture a lot of uh, uh, <laughs> pastors used to curse people and they quote it. But that was a wrong context. Away from the faith. This man is preaching. A man who is ready to receive the gospel. And then these guys were busy going to get him away from the faith. Look at what Paul did. But Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit. Look at this. Filled with what? The Holy Spirit. So what Paul is about to do is not Paul, but the Holy Ghost. Filled with the Holy Ghost. Looked at him and said, you son of a devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? Have you seen that? He said, I'll go before you and make the crooked path straight. This guy, 
was making crooked the path God had already made straight. Then he says, Now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. Did you see that? For a time. Because that's not the gospel Paul is preaching. For a time. For the time that you are resisting that man, you will not see. In other words, when I'm done with the man and he's saved, you may see. Yeah, but most of the time when people are praying and cursing people, they don't destroy them for a time. They can release upon your children and your great-great-grandchildren. I don't know where they release that from. That's not the spirit of Christ. That's never the spirit of Christ. That's not the gospel of Christ. He said for a time. And look, it was not even for a selfish agenda. Paul was not on a course to seek vindication for himself. He was on the course of Christ. He said, you won't see for a time. And then the Bible says, immediately, look at that. Immediately, behold, the hand of the Lord, immediately mist and darkness fell upon him. And he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. In other words, he became blind instant. Then the proconsul, look at that. Then the proconsul believed. That's why we talk about power. Somebody say power. The proconsul believed when he saw what had occurred. So that things people see and their mind changes. That's why when we pray, we pray for signs and wonders. That as we go and preach, signs and wonders will accompany. You have already believed. You don't need signs and wonders to really believe. Signs and wonders largely are for unbelievers. When he saw it, the Bible said, that's why evangelists usually see a lot of manifestation of signs and wonders. Because they are dealing with a lot of doubters. And every time you step out in faith, the Holy Ghost is more willing to bring signs and wonders. Not because of you. Not to show that you are powerful. But to convince the doubter that Christ who died and was buried is alive and lived evermore. Can somebody say an amen? That's what, that's what it's about. That's what it's about. So he doesn't bring signs and wonders to glorify you. I'm the miracle worker. No, no, no. That's not what it's about. It's about bringing conviction. He saw and believed for he was astonished at the teaching of the law. At the teaching of the law. What did they see? They didn't teach anything. So teaching is by demonstration and teaching is by instruction. Teaching of the law. Teaching of the Lord. The teaching of the Lord is when power is released. The teaching of the Lord. Number two, the second and the final thing the Holy Spirit does in the life of the sinner to bring them to salvation is bring conviction. Somebody say conviction. conviction. Say conviction. conviction. Say conviction. conviction. Say it with boldness. Conviction. conviction. The Holy Spirit is a convictor. The Holy Spirit is a convictor. He's a convictor. He's a convictor. The Bible said, and when he is come, he shall convict the world of sin. I think it's uh, John chapter 16, verse uh, 7, 8, thereabouts. When the Holy Spirit is come, John 16, can you give me that? He will bring conviction. He will convict the word of sin and of righteousness and of judgment because I go to the Father. The Holy Spirit brings conviction. Give me the new King James. When he is come. Somebody say when he is come. Has he come? Has the Holy Spirit come? Has the Holy Spirit come? He said when he is come, what will he do? He will convict the world of sin. He will convict the world of sin. He will convict the word of righteousness. He will convict the word of judgment. That's what the Holy Spirit does. In John chapter 8, verse 7, when the people picked up stones and they were convicted, they dropped the stones. Look at Acts chapter 2, verse 37 to 38. 
When they had heard this, they were pricked. They were what? They were pricked in their heart. They were convicted in their heart. And said unto Peter and to the rest of the men of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit is a convictor. That's why when it comes to soul winning, he is the Lord of the harvest. When you see, you realize that all you simply have to do is to depend on him, to work with him. He's the one who gives you the words to speak. He's the one who empowers you with boldness. He's the one who confirms the word with signs. He's the one who brings conviction to the sinner. He's the one who also clears barriers and resistances. So principally, the Holy Spirit qualifies to be described as the Lord of the harvest. Somebody say he's the Lord of the harvest. That means you cannot be effective at discipling or reaching out to anyone without depending on the Holy Spirit. That's why trying to get somebody saved without prayer is a wasteful exercise. Take him to lunch. No, no, no. All of those things are good. But if you will not engage the Holy Spirit to bring conviction, that person can never come to know Christ. So, we've looked at what the Holy Spirit does in the life of the believer and what he does in the life of the sinner to bring them to a place of decision for Christ. Next week, we will look at how we can partner with the Holy Spirit. Knowing that this is what the Holy Spirit does, how can we work with the Holy Spirit in order to be able to uh, bring the harvest of souls to Christ? Somebody, are you with me here? That's where we are going next week as we consider the Lord of the harvest, part three. I want you to stand on your feet and begin to speak to God. If you want to accept Jesus and make him your Lord and Savior, you want to say this prayer after me mean every word and then believe it in your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, I confess that you are my Lord and my Savior. I believe with my heart that you died and rose again for me. By my belief, I am justified and by my confession, I am saved. Thank you for saving me in Jesus' precious name. Amen. And amen. If you pray that prayer in faith, you are a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. God bless you. We we'll look forward to having you join us again and again. We are blessed. Pastor Afuakwa has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. Share your testimonies with us on 020-422-5790 or email us at embassyoflifechapel at gmail.com. Get interactive with Pastor Afuakwa on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For more information, visit our website at www.embassyoflife.org. Fellowship with us this and every Sunday for our service at our headquarter church from 8.30 a.m. to 11 a.m. for our good news service. And on Wednesdays for our discovery service from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Our church auditorium is located on the top floor of Nanama Ejakuma Plaza opposite the Unity Oil Station, Santata Runabout, Kumasi, Ghana. Alternatively, you can join us online for our services on Embassy of Life Chapel, Facebook or YouTube pages. God richly bless you. Oh, no.